Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to come and pay such an awful cost to purchase people like us for you. Thank you that his blood was enough to take away our sin forever. Thank you that we now stand accepted in him, in his righteousness, nothing that we contributed at all, all Jesus, all that he has accomplished. And so we're thankful for revealing him to us. Thank you that you opened our eyes to see who he is. And I pray that you would open the eyes of anyone who is still here that's spiritually blind and doesn't see their need for Jesus as their rescuer. Lord, I pray as we open your word um, that your spirit would be working among us and in us, that you would help us to focus on what we're doing and what we're hearing from your word, and Lord, that you would work in our hearts in such a way that um, it would go beyond just five minutes after the service, Lord, that it would um, become more and more part of us. So we ask that your spirit would work now in Christ's name, amen. Thursday was potentially a reminder to give thanks to God for all of his blessings. And last Sunday, Psalm 116 reminded us of the Lord's benefits and some appropriate responses to him for his grace. Our text for today reminds us about the value of reminders. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 as we continue our study in this New Testament letter. 1 Peter Chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 12. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. And then turn over to chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Chapter 3, verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. So it's hard to miss Peter's concern that we would remember what we need to remember. He's convinced that some things are just too important to forget, and so he takes the responsibility of reminding us very seriously. Let's start by asking, why are reminders necessary? And the short answer is, you probably already guessed it, because we're so forgetful. Our memories frequently 
let us down. And so we set reminders on our phones or we write ourselves a note or we ask a spouse or a friend, could you help me remember to do such and such? And so here are a couple examples in the Bible of people forgetting things even though they could reasonably have been expected to remember. Go to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Beginning at verse 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. Thus he rebuked the Red Sea and dried it up, and he led them through the deeps as through the wilderness. So he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy, The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. They believed his words. They sang his praise. They quickly forgot his works. And then Psalm, or verse 21 also says, They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Psalm 78, 11 says, They forgot his deeds, his miracles that he had shown them. Now, wouldn't you think... If you had seen all ten of the plagues with your own eyes and had witnessed the parting of the Red Sea right in front of you, that you would never forget such miracles. Wouldn't you be so amazed at what God had done that you would never doubt his power again? And yet, we know our own hearts, right? We've seen God deliver us from some kind of crisis. We've seen God give us marvelous answers to prayer. And yet, when the next crisis comes along, we can quickly forget God's ability to handle the current problem. And at such times, we don't need brand new information that we've never heard before. What we need is a reminder of truth that we already know. Or go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 5. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? So the disciples are pretty forgetful. How could you forget to bring any food along on a trip? 
But they're forgetting something much bigger than bread. They're forgetting the Lord's miraculous provision of bread, first for a crowd of 5,000 people, and then just a few days before this. I mean, it's just right at the end of chapter 15. So a day or two since the feeding of the 4,000, they saw this miracle. And Jesus' point is, if you had remembered what I had done before, you wouldn't be all worried about not having any bread now. And we don't want to throw any stones at the disciples because we've seen the Lord's provision of needs in unexpected ways before. We've wondered how things are going to work out and God comes through and maybe even surprises us on how this actually works. And yet when a new need comes along, we still sometimes worry and have doubts whether God will take care of us. So given our weak memories, it's not surprising that we find a number of reminders scattered in the Bible. For example, Romans 15. If you want to turn to that text. Romans 15. Verse 14 and 15. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. But I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God. So these believers have a lot going for them. Paul's commending them for that, but he says, it's still necessary for me to remind you of some things. Or turn to Philippians 3.1. Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. In other words, I don't mind repeating what I've said before because it's a way of keeping you safe. So it's worth it to me to go over it again. Or in Jude, verse 5. Jude, verse 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. But he says, I already know you, know this, but I'm going to remind you. So the basic point is, the more important something is, the more often it needs to be repeated. If you have kids, you don't just tell them once and expect them never to forget again. We tell them, look both ways before you cross the street, put your seatbelt on, dozens of other instructions over and over again until it's deeply ingrained in them. So back to Second Peter. Peter is so convinced that what he has to say to us is so important that he's going to keep on reminding us as much as he can. And he feels a special sense of urgency because he knows his time is short. In verse 14, he says, Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. 
as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And he's referring to the conversation he had after the resurrection with Jesus. And Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. And then John tells us, now this he said, signifying but what, by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. So Peter has that conversation in his mind, by the, and that was when he was in his 30s. He's now in his 60s as he's writing Second Peter. He has seen that persecution is intensifying around him. It's not hard to figure out that my time on this earth is coming to a close. I'm very aware that I won't be here much longer before I leave this world And so I really want you to hear this again. And then after I'm gone, he says, I'll be diligent at any time after my departure. You'll be able to call these things to mind. So this letter and 1 Peter are the way he keeps reminding us, even after he's gone, of the truth he wants believers to grasp and remember. So the second question is, what do we need to be reminded of course, the answer would be a lot of things, but at least in context of Second Peter, it's these things. He says it in verse 12, be ready to remind you of these things. And again in verse 15, I want to be able to, that you'll be able to call these things to mind. So what are these things? Well, since verse 12 starts with the word therefore, it looks back to what was said in the first 11 verses. And the two main things that We're said in those verses that we need to remember our first, we need to remember God's gifts of grace. He gave us the gift of faith, enabling us to believe in Jesus to save us. And he granted us everything we need for life and godliness. And he granted us great and precious promises that are suitable for every situation and every season of life. So Peter says, I want to remind you of that. Don't forget those things. And based on those realities of what God has given us and what God has done for us and what God has done in us, the second thing we're to remember is God's call to pursue godly character. Remember verses 5 through 7, we're called to make every effort to supplement our faith with moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. So when Peter thinks about believers, he's not just thinking about a person who's made some kind of response to Jesus that leaves the life unchanged. That would just be very out of step with a lot of verses, like 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So that's not a thing. Or even a list of vices to avoid that even unbelievers can stay away from. I remember hearing, I think it was Ron Carlson, uh, talk about a discussion he had with a professing believer, and this guy was just saying, well, you know, I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't do these things. And, And Ron Carlson said, you know, there are a billion Hindus in India right now who don't do any of those things either. 
What makes you different from them? So not just no response or not just negative things you stay away from, but positive virtues, these positive character traits that he has listed in 5 through 7. Actively pursuing these qualities, sometimes known as the Christian graces, not as a way of earning a relationship with God, but as evidence or fruit expressing a relationship with God. Peter says if those character qualities are present in our lives and we're making progress in them, we're not perfect, but we're, we're growing, we're getting there. Then he says that makes you useful and fruitful and it confirms your calling and election. But he says if those character qualities are missing in your life, you're blind and short-sighted. In verse 9 he says, forgetful. Isn't that interesting? Verse 9 ends with having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Forgetting the death of Jesus washing away our sins. And so because these things that he's talking about are so important and because we're so forgetful, Peter says, I'm going to keep reminding you again and again. I know you already know these things. He says that. I know you're already established in the truth. But I'm still going to go over these things again so they are deeply ingrained in you. And then over in chapter 3, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. And here's what he wants them to remember. That you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. So Peter's referring to an authoritative body of truth. What the prophets have spoken is what we would call the Old Testament scriptures. What Jesus has spoken through his apostles is what would become the New Testament. In other words, he's saying, remember the word of God. And what's significant about him saying it there is, The whole chapter of chapter 2 that came right before that is about false teachers and false prophets who aren't telling us the truth. And Peter's saying, remember the truth. Remember the Bible. Remember what you've read in the prophets. Remember what the apostles have said. It reminds me at least of Acts 17.11. Remember the Bereans diligently searching the scriptures to see if the things spoken were so. Here's false prophets. Now let me remind you to remember the scriptures. Remember, we need to compare everything we hear and read with what the scriptures clearly teach, which presupposes we know what the Bible teaches, which means we need to remind ourselves over and over again, just be in it. I think it was Tom prayed this morning about reading it every day, just having constant exposure and input from the word of God so that it's fresh in there and we're ready to Compare anything we hear on a song or in a book or on a blog post or anything else with the truth of Scripture. So we've seen why reminders are necessary. We're forgetful people. And we've seen what sorts of things we're specifically called to remember, namely the gifts of God's grace and the calling of God's grace to pursue a holy life and remember his word And last, let's look at the goal of reminders. 
verse 13 of chapter 1, I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. And then chapter 3, verse 1, I am stirring you up or stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So what does it mean to stir up? If you look it up in the dictionary, it means cause to move, to stimulate, to excite, or to rekindle. And the same Greek word is used in Mark and Luke of waking Jesus up when he was sleeping during the storm on the lake. So some verses that use the phrase, Proverbs 29:22, an angry man stirs up strife. Sunday school this morning, Acts 14, 12, the Jews who disbelieve stirred up the Gentiles against the brethren. Or Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. So, just kind of, but what Peter is desiring is to overcome our tendency to spiritual inertia. So do you remember what inertia is from your science classes? Maybe it's been a while. I had to look it up just to make sure I had the right word. And it means a property of matter by which it remains at rest unless acted upon by some force. So left to ourselves, we will get sluggish and dull and indifferent about spiritual things. It's all too easy to get lukewarm and numb when it comes to remembering God's gifts of grace or pursuing his call to pursue godly character. We can just sort of flatline and coast, and drift, and just fall asleep. And so Peter's goal in these reminders is to wake us up from our drowsiness and to stir us up to respond appropriately to these realities. So don't just be content with, oh yeah, I remember Peter said that about God's gifts of grace, or oh yeah, I remember I'm supposed to pursue godly character. This is meant to stir up some renewed desire and renewed commitment. I need to get more serious. I need to get back at that. I've been drifting. I need to stir that up again. That's why Peter wrote these sentences for us. Well, almost everyone here and almost everyone listening online has heard these things before. But there's a big difference between hearing these truths and believing them. And if God is showing you that you've never embraced Jesus by faith, even though you know all about him, first let me remind you of what God says about every single person in the world, including you and me. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And let me remind you that we are unable to fix this problem and its consequences, which is separation from God forever. We can't do anything or give anything or help anything to fix that. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not according to works of righteousness, which we have done. It's not about what we can do to perform or achieve something. It's a gift of mercy. And let me tell you again that the only solution to our problem is Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross, not for his own sins, because he had none 
but as a substitute for sinners. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Not for his, but ours. And then the next verse says, he was buried and he was raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures, which means just like the scriptures said he would. And so now the way to God is open through and only through Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. There's no other way to God but through Jesus. And so trust Jesus alone. Believe his death has accomplished everything necessary to forgive our sins and restore us to God. Believe he has the power to save us and change us. Acts 16.31 says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you again for Jesus and that he accomplished everything for our salvation and rose again to show that he had done that. Pray again for anyone who's here who's never put their trust in him alone or that they would renounce all human effort or human righteousness or human anything and put their hope in Jesus. And Lord, you have done that for many of us in this room and listening online. And Lord, just we appreciate the reminders through songs or through texts or through the Lord's Supper in a few moments of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we are so forgetful. And so we uh, thank you that you give us reminders. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to stand and sing Lamb.